Diane Hullett, and welcome to the Best Life, Best Death podcast. Today, my guest is Lewis Cloth of National Rarities, and Lewis is going to tell us a little bit about what is National Rarities and what is Transitions, which is another piece of National Rarities. You can find out more about the work he does at nationalrarities.com. So welcome, Lewis. Go ahead and tell us, how about what, how did National Rarities get started and how did you get involved? Yeah, yeah. So I got out of college and um, I had a, a, a friend of mine that did this business in jewelry and coins and watches. And I thought it was interesting. So I joined. And um, at the end of 2009, uh, 2010, I, um, I started my own business with a, another business partner. And uh, we specifically work with jewelers um, all across the country. We run events all around the country that people can come in and sell unused and unwanted items that have value. That's so amazing to me because I think there, you know, there is this level of estate jewelry that's like the really fancy stuff that like was made in 1920 and is actually really worth a lot of money. And then there's sort of all this middle of the road jewelry. Do you work with both of those or one or the other? Yeah, we we work with everything. You know, one customer might come in with a $25,000 Rolex and then the other person might come in with a rusted out $30 toy that we might buy. Um, so we kind of really do buy the gambit. Uh, you know, as long as there's value there, we can pay for it. And um, yeah, so we see all sorts of things. Uh, but jewelry, coins, watches are kind of the main, and old silver, I should say, are kind of the main things that most people have that can um, have quite a bit of value. Interesting. And this is national rarities. How did your experience with your family kind of tie into this? Well, it was um, my my grandma who passed away about a decade ago. Um, we're from St. Louis originally, and uh, my my uh, grandma was in Minnesota. So uh, she was a collector. Uh, she had a little bit of money, and uh, she was the lady who had the matching uh, lunch set, matched perfectly with the dinner set. My mom and her two sisters every month had to polish it, you know, it was all about presentation and, you know, China and, you know, everything. <laughs> right. Really so, an era. That was really an era where they did that, right? Where when ladies lunched, it was like this big spread of the table. Absolutely. <clears throat> so when she had passed, my mom went up there to deal with it all. And she spent almost about three months up there uh, on and off, but it was a, it was a lot for her. And I spent two full weekends helping her with kind of the more valuable items, the jewelry, the coins, the watches, silver, you know, she had some artwork, things like that, that we also buy. So, but I remember at that time, we were only a couple of years into our core business with the jewelers, but in the back of my head, I was like, there's gotta be a major need for this. And um, my suspicion was right because basically today you have the option of sending stuff to auction houses, which are very picky on what they would take usually has to be quite a bit of value in, in the time when you send it to them and get paid out and the fees and all that. It, it's, it's quite the process. And then you have the estate people that come in and say, hey, we'll just put tags on everything and get it sold and out and, and gone. And, and both serve a good purpose for certain situations, but we found that we're kind of in this middle ground between the two we're able to service both those types of clients very well, quickly, conveniently, and, and very fairly. So, um, right. And then there's kind of the 1 800 junk 
uh, you know, call yeah. those guys or the thrift store. But I love that you're hitting this kind of middle road of like, I have something of value, but it's not enormous value. But if I just have the estate, as you said, the estate sale person come in, it's just going to be gone. And it is a, it is a way to conveniently make that sure. happen. But yeah. I'm not sure you always get your best value for things because that's how they make their money. I mean, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, everyone's, you know, and it's a, you know, a little food on the table. And, and uh, but at the end of the day, it's kind of um, addressing the needs of the client. And um, it was something back then that I knew we could do very well. And, um, you know, fast forward today, we have almost 70 employees. We have over 200 in, independently owned jewelers. We have a staff of very solid, knowledgeable people. And so now we're able to kind of come over to this space, the grief space or the, you know, this inheritance space and really help out and, and give a good product to these people as well. That's, That's what Transitions was kind of born out of. And it's a little subdivision of national rarities. Interesting. So, okay. So how does the process work? Like I, I call you or I reach out on email or either one and I say, I've got these 12 things that I think might be worth something. Then what do I do? Yeah, yeah. So on our website, transitionsnr.com, you can set up a free 15-minute consultation with me. And essentially, it's just um, an introductory kind of explain to me what's going on, what are you looking for? And um, I personally live in Denver. So I'm just anyone in Denver, I'll, I would be the one coming to the house and helping out and, 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 you know, helping gather as much information as possible with you. And there's no fees, there's no pressure, there's no nothing. It's really just me saying, this is what you have. This is what it's worth. This is what I can pay you. Make it as easy and simple as possible. And one of the things we really harp on with, um, you know, our employees and, and our company is we're really in the more of the business of emotions than we are like goods. You know, it's, it's not too hard to price value on the item, but it's hard to ask the right questions to that customer and make them feel comfortable and, and really try to articulate as best you can for, so they feel comfortable and good and, and, and confident that they're selling it to the right people and it's going to go to the right home later on and so on and so forth. Right. And my guess is like, uh, you know, my sentimental attachment to this set of glasses, I think <laughs> they're really worth something. And yeah. I'm guessing you're going to tell me they're not worth what I think they're worth. Is that, yes. does that happen a lot? Uh, yes, it does. Um, it does a lot. And, that, and that's how we ask it. You know, and when I'm sitting with customers, one of the first questions I typically ask is, have you ever done this? And then if they say no, I, I like to explain the process. You know, there's no, don't get nervous. Everything's fine. You don't have to say yes. And then B, is there anything that's really sentimental? Because they'll pull that out first and I can tell right away, you know, to me, it might be $25, but to them, it might be 25,000. So it's really easy for me to say, you know what, Mrs. Jones or Mr. Smith, I understand this is sentimental to me, unfortunately, because of the market, I can't pay a lot. I think it's better you just hang on to it and really cherish it and hand it down. Right. And that so, way you kind of avoid something like you didn't ask the question, they put it on the table and they're like, yeah, I'll give you $25. And they're like, oh, you know, and then $25. immediately. I thought this, my mom always said this was worth so much. Yeah. Well, my grandma, um, I believe it was 24 full China sets. Wow. And I think it's like four or six of them sold. And then I don't actually know what happened to the rest. I actually took one home. I had it for six years and I realized I enjoyed it, but 
and I, I actually sent it to a cousin who ended up wanting it. So, <laughs> so everyone has different levels of sentimentality. Right. And when we can find those connections that really bring it to the right home of this cousin or the second cousin or the granddaughter or whatever it is, that really feels good. And when yeah. we have to let go of something, it's it's hard, but we all there tends to be a lot of stuff. You you talked when we were first chatting, you talked about the 80-20. Tell, say more about that. Oh, yeah, the 80-20 rule. I, I forget the, there's a real name to that. I, I can't remember it, but 20% of the items are typically worth 80% of the value and 80% of the items are worth 20%. And what we find is a lot of clients, they get stuck on the 80% of items, you know, oh, this chair or, you know, China, Crystal, Yadros, Hummels, all these things that used to have very, high values and sentimentality to their parents or grandparents in today's world, you know, our, us younger folk, we're not collecting that stuff. So, you know, they'll get tripped up and spend hours and weeks and months in trying to, you know, make a little bit of money on, on this. And it's just really not worth your time. So um, that's where we can kind of come in and say, Hey, like, here's where the real value is. It's not so much. Now it's your choice if you want to go through and, and, deal with it and try to make a little more. But most people get really tripped up remembering what their mom said or their aunt and, you know, thinking it's, it's just, you know, some treasure off the Titanic or something. Right. <laughs> right. So, and we, we kind of call it the inheritance of guilt, right? You, you almost inherit guilt because, you know, your parents cherish it so much. But what we found is when people sell, people that were really maybe not sure about selling, they would sell to us. And the next time we're in their town, they come back and they're like, you know what? I walked out of that door and I immediately felt 10 pounds light. Realized that the money that I got from that, I could put towards something that's really important to me. And you know what? That's probably what my parents really would prefer. Right, right. And so they just have this, you know, they, they kind of have this relief kind of leaving. Um, so we've, we've definitely heard that story quite a bit. I think there's also something for me about feeling like, well, it, I may be done with my time with this item, but yeah. someone else is going to be thrilled. They're going to find yeah. this vintage 1960s watch that I'm, I'm never going to wear because I don't wear watches. And they're yeah. going to be like, wow, I found the coolest thing. So, yeah. so how do you, so if somebody wants to um, add to their stuff and go to one of the sales that you put on with jewelers around the country, how do they find out about that? So that's on our main website, nationalrarities.com. Um, like I said, this year, we'll probably, we have about 200 jewelers. Um, we'll host about 400 events. Um, so we're almost, I think we're missing about four or five states. It's in the Northeast. Those are always hard to keep track of. But wow. yeah, most jewelers have us back two to three times a year. So and uh, that's national rarities, bringing things that they have to a jewelry shop, shop in a location. And so it's kind of like, keep an eye out for local, well, go to your website and find out what's listed. But like, I can imagine which jewelry shop in my town might host that. So I could probably also talk to them and say, hey, have you got a national rarities event coming? Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, and like I said, it's all privately owned. We don't deal with the big boxes or anything. Yeah, We like to deal with the locals. And uh, as far as the transition side, um, you know, more on the the estate side or the inheritance side, I'm out here in Denver. Our, Our team is actually out of St. Louis, Missouri. So, you know, if you inherit a home full of everything, these two states were easily able to come in and kind of walk you through it and, and go on there. And, you know, one of the crazy things we're, we're throwing around, too, is, you know, a lot of times people don't live in the same state. They have their own kids and own, you know, work and all that. 
So one of the things we offer too is to not only buy all the items on the inside, but also just the entire estate in one, one lump check, house, everything, car, go through everything, record values, give a value. And the average estate takes, I think they say like 570 hours to close. Wow. So, you know, you got months and months and months of time that you can save. And then also if it goes to probate, which I've learned too, that's about 18 months before, if anything goes to probate, it's about 18 months before the individual gets paid. So we're kind of one of the only firms in this space that comes in and we're actually paying you. We're not charging you for our services like a lawyer or an accountant or, you know, any a financial advisor. We're, we're coming in helping making it as easy as possible and simplifying your life. How is that different than, than the, um, like we talked about at the beginning, like the estate sale kind of person? How, how, is, how is that experience different as a client? I would say, um, you know, I don't like to speak in generalities, but in, in general, um, estate people that come in and just kind of sell out all the stuff on the inside, um, I, I would say their expertise isn't as um, knowledgeable as ours in the higher end items that might be in there. For instance, we just sold this watch. I'm telling you, if it was sitting on the ground, no one would pick it up. I mean, it looked like nothing. And uh, it sold for $8,000. Wow. And so we have people like that that can identify those types of items. And, right. and, you know, there's probably a lot of great people out there as well. You know, if I told you I'm the, the best and the best deal and all that. I'm a sleazy car salesman, you know. So, right. but in general, um, we found that we kind of really, um, fill the gap to be able to take care of the higher end items. And then also we are willing and able to help out with the lower valued items as well. That's great. I do. I think of two, two stories. I mean, one is that a friend of mine had this great experience where he really knows a lot about ceramics and he was on his bike and he was riding and he stopped at a thrift store and he's poking around and he realizes, holy smokes, there's this ceramic thing in there that's worth a lot of money. And, um, and it looked like a blob, like it's a famous ceramicist (laughs) couple out of California and they, they experimented with these crazy glazes. So he looks at this thing and he's like, Oh, Holy smokes. It it said maybe $40 on it or something. Yeah. 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 It was worth a lot more. So he, he took it up to the front counter and he said to the lady, I'm on my bike, but I'm going to come right back for this. And so he rode off, buzzed home, didn't even shower, came back to the place, bought this thing. And he sold it at Christie's for, I don't know, more than $10,000. I mean, yeah. it was unbelievable what his knowledge about those pieces um, really brought value. And um, my parents are not um, rug people. And we have a couple of fairly nice rugs. And I one time said to my sure. mom, by the way, if we're hit by a bus, don't put our rugs in a yard sale. <laughs> like they're actually pretty yeah. nice rugs, you know? Yeah. And my mom was like, okay, good to know. Cause I would have just like rolled it up and said 20 bucks. I'm like, no, no, no. story Every year. Yeah. yeah you hear yeah. the story. There yeah. is something about kind of um, bringing someone in who does have an eye for what is, like you said, what's worth something and what's not so much worth something. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And we're dealing with this, you know, this often comes up at a time where someone has died. And so there's a lot of um, just the fog of grief and the desire to just get it over with. And as you said, sometimes you're traveling from out of state. How, how much do you find, does this motivate clients to do something different in their own lives in terms of pre giveaway stuff? Well, and that's the thing. Yeah. It's been really interesting uh, to learn this uh, space because um, funeral homes are really good at what they do. 
they're kind of like wedding planners. They, they, they know they basically have to set up a big event within seven days. And so you think about the individual that has lost somebody, you know, it's a whirlwind for seven days. They have the service. And then two days later, they're sitting in, let's say, uh, their parents' home with everything around them. And they're, they're still going, I, I haven't even grieved. I, I, you know, I don't know, you know, so um, it's a big hurdle to get over. Yeah. And one of the other things I didn't mention earlier was with my grandma, the estate company they had used, he had some of his people come in and price out. And a couple of them were saying, you know, I really like this piece. I might be buying that. And I was like, well, why, how are you pricing it? But yet you're interested in it. <laughs> right. And I told my mom and her sisters, I'm like, that's a big red flag. So anyways, there's just little things like that, that um, again, you know, we can help walk through and give, you know, every example of what to look for, look out for. Right. Things um, to look out for. That seems like a really valid kind of like um, frequently asked question kind of thing for sure. your website, like what to watch out for. And, sure, and, what if, and, and you say you have 70 people. Um, are there other states that you cover besides Missouri? Oh, yeah. So the, the 200 plus jewelers that we have, we're, um, we're in every state, but just a few. Uh, we just had last year, we went to Alaska for the first time in Hawaii. So we literally have uh, jewelers all around the countries and you can and always look up to see. That's on, uh, the, that on the sale side or is that also you'd assess? No, that's on, the, that's on the buying side. Yeah, we're primarily wholesale, right? So when we buy from an individual, we bring it back to our office. We A, have to figure out if it's saleable or not. Unfortunately, the, those old uh, big nugget rings that everyone used to wear, uh, those are just going to be worth their gold or silver value, you know. <laughs> and then uh, from there, we have a large network and marketplace to sell, you know, watches, coins, you know, all those places. And so it's watches, coins, jewelry, silver. Then we do artwork, artwork, yeah, we do artwork autographs, uh, firearms. Uh, old advertising, toys, war memorabilia, uh, vehicles, um, probably other, you know, any other rarities, you know, um, you know, any and all things that have value and we were able to buy it and sell it, we will, we will make an offer. So interesting. Well, I love that you kind of started out with those pieces, like those valuable pieces. And then you've also seen a need for the just um, the more the bigger transition of just what this is, right? So, yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So let me just make sure I get these websites right. And thanks so much for coming. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. So you can find out more about the work Lewis does at nationalrarities.com and also transitionsnr.com. Yep, absolutely. And all my info's in there and you can always email me or call me and I'm available. <laughs> well, thanks. I think this is a really interesting topic because it has to do with both handling a, the death of a loved one in a way that feels appropriate to you and also moving forward with the stuff that you want and without the stuff that you don't want. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, thanks, Lewis. Thanks so much. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You've been listening to the Best Life, Best Death podcast with Diane Hullett and Lewis Clough. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.